Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Another edition of the podcast that sweeps the nation. That's right, we spread to our all fields, NCAA, Major League Baseball. Today we'll talk maybe a little NFL draft. That's right, it's One Man's Opinion, everybody. Welcome to it. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you for listening in. Um, hopefully you guys are subscribing, liking, favoriting, commenting. You know, if you want something changed, whatever it may be, you like something, you dislike something, desperately need your feedback here, folks, so we could crank out as many episodes as possible. I am Jeff Mans, by the way. You could hear me on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find me over at fantasyguru.com where I have all my NFL draft preparation, the rankings for the prospects, rankings in fantasy football. I got my GM breakdowns that you'll hear about on today's episode. As a matter of fact, our first round mock drafts over there are projections for this season, projections for the rookies, everything you need free agency breakdowns, thoughts, rankings, fits, coaching breakdowns all over there as well. All seasonal fantasy baseball as well. Find at fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs, including my daily, daily fantasy baseball. I was going to say daily, 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 daily. Sound like dilly, dilly. Remember that commercial? Uh, Daily fantasy cash game breakdowns over at elitefantasy.com for Major League Baseball, I do those every single day as well. We do it during the NFL season every week also. And all other sports, EliteSportsBetting.com for all your legalized sports betting needs. Follow me, I'm Jeff Manns, on Twitter, at Jeff underscore Manns. There, the Jeff Manns on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Got a lot to talk about today. I am going to talk NFL. You know, we spent some time, we spent the whole show last time talking Major League Baseball. We are into the Major League Baseball season. Feel like things are going fairly well. Uh, I'm recording this, however, on a Wednesday that I just got my teeth kicked in and daily. So that stunk, but uh, have won four out of the six slates thus far for our cash game purposes. So not bad. You know, it was four and one going into today and lost today, but we'll be back on the horse tomorrow as well. So we talk baseball, we talk NCAA tournament. We've done a lot of that. By the way, go back and listen to the father and son uh, episode if you can. If you missed it, if you're new to the podcast, welcome in, everybody. Uh, this is episode 60, as a matter of fact. So again, we've recorded a lot of these and a wide variety of topics. The reason I, I say go back and listen to the father and son one is my son, 10 year old son made a, uh, we talked about sort of our relationship, things that are going on in his world, how the quarantine has affected him and so on and so forth. That was episode 56, by the way. And in that podcast, he predicted the, who he thought would win the NCAA tournament. He'd picked the Baylor bears. He was right. (laughs) Not only that, well, that doesn't take much. He also finished second in our elite sports network NCAA tournament pool. So uh, winning him a boatload of money for doing that. So congratulations to my boy there. And uh, any other podcasts, any other topics you guys want me to hit, you know, we're going to do a lot of NFL draft stuff leading into it. Obviously this is a big event for many, many reasons. It's coming up at the end of April. And I want to start out today. I have a lot to get to for one, 
something I haven't been able to do on the Sirius XM show because we're always so rushed is I, I want to get into who drafts what. That means what these NFL teams draft, what they're normally – who's in charge of the drafts, number one. Okay, and then I want to talk about what positions they draft, how many of each they draft, and then what the hit rate is, what the bust rate is. Right, and that's that's the ultimate thing, isn't it? And that we're going to try to get to all 32 NFL teams on this episode. So we'll be talking about that throughout. I, I want to get into something else. Uh, my producer on SiriusXM, Phil Backard, always tells me that I should do a chalkboard show or a telestrator show, and I'd love to do that. Uh, maybe that's in my future. This that may happen. Maybe even as soon as this month, because one thing I want to discuss right off the bat. All right. Now, again, I want to talk about evaluating talent. All right. For those who, who maybe are new to the podcast, back in last year when I started this podcast and, and season one, um, somewhere, I, I don't even remember what episode it was, but I described why I got into fantasy. And this is something that I haven't really discussed a lot. It's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't come up in general conversation. Oh, hey, how's the weather? You know why I got into fantasy sports. No, it doesn't really work that way. But the reason I got into it, what lures me in, what excites me, the, the fun of it. Well, I am addicted to winning. I do love that. Okay. So I won't deny that. But I, I like the talent evaluation process. And that's what drives me. That's what intrigues me. That's what I really like. The numbers, the data, it's good. And there's a lot of data and metrics that we use nowadays to help process our analysis for players and, and fits on different teams. And But I love the evaluation of talent because I think it's something that's hard to do. People do it differently. And I was talking the other day on the SiriusXM show about this. Before I get into it, if you listen to the XM show, you know the answer, but I'm going to ask you all a question. What do you think, what hit rate and do you think NFL general managers have as far as draft picks? Now, remember, an NFL draft is seven rounds, okay? So everybody's ideally drafting seven players per season. Obviously, there's trades and people back out and move up. Somebody could have 10 picks in a draft. Somebody could have two picks in a draft. It's all, it's all relative. It's all different. But therein lies the tendency. There's a lot of tendency there to play. I've tracked the last six seasons across the National Football League, and all of this is available at fantasyguru.com. And I've gone through every team, how many picks they've had in that meantime, and then what the hit rate is. And the hit rate is how many times have they drafted a useful player? All right. And a useful player is uh, is a guy that has started has started for that team or another team. It could be another team if they cut them or whatever. And or is a situational rotational guy, a dependable rotational guy, because that happens, especially on defense. A lot of you know, defensive ends and tackles get interchanged. Nickel corners. Nickel corner is a valuable piece. That's a hit. Right. And basically. The player that I will bring up, and I've brought it up several times because it was the hardest decision that I've had to uh, make, and it was Jeff Swaim. Jeff Swaim is a tight end. He's on the Titans currently, but he was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. And it's he was he's that guy that is he useful? Well, he's been on what three, four teams. 
is he useful? Is he not useful? He played special teams. He's, you know, uh, caught a couple touchdowns here and there. You know, was he useful? I declared him useful. So that is basically he has become my pay line, my benchmark. If you're better or if you've produced or it doesn't matter how much you produce. I don't care about numbers. I'm caring about whether they start for the team, whether they're useful down in, uh, two, in years two, three, four. If you're better than Jeff Swaim, you're a hit. If you're worse than Jeff Swaim, you're a miss. So that's a very low line. We're not talking about Patty Mahomes here, everybody. We're talking about a low, low level of return. And that's a hit rate. What do you all think the hit rate is of the collective of all NFL general managers over the last six seasons? What percentage of draft picks do you think hit? I'm waiting for your answer. I'm I'm do, 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 do. It's 31.6%. Not even a third of all draft picks are hits. And you think about it, I mean, it makes sense because if you just do your, your basic math, right? There's, if you get seven picks each round, 32 teams, it's 224. I think it's 224 is the number there. I may be off a little bit. I'm doing this in my head. Um, draft picks, and then you get to compens- compensatory picks or whatever. So about, let's call it 250 picks per season roughly right in the nfl well i mean that's a lot of players to just be infused into that into the league not everybody who's drafted will make especially late round picks you know hit or miss once you get to around four five six seven um but hitting a third of guys we we put all this fuss we put all this analysis we put all this time and effort into scouting and and looking and watching and viewing tape and looking at numbers for college football. And then you've got the East West shrine game. You've got the senior bowl. You've got the uh, um, combine pro days, individual workouts, individual interviews that are set up by teams, all of this stuff to try to gain what players are going to be good and which players will not be good. There's a, that's a huge, huge process to go through. So to go through all that and only hit on, let's call it a third of your picks, it's kind of pathetic, isn't it? That's a, a significant bust rate. And it's 66.7% or whatever. That's a significant bust rate. It really is. It makes you wonder, maybe these teams are onto something. These teams like the Rams, Les Snead, who just said, fuck it. We're not, uh, we're not going to, we're not, we don't need draft picks anymore. Why, why waste fucking picks when we can go get a Matt Stafford? We'll upgrade the most important position and to hell with whatever first round because it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, even the first round, there's so many busts. And we'll talk about that today. I'll go through all GMs, talk about their hits and bus rates and some of their tendencies as well. But I thought it would also be fun to talk about how I evaluate talent, what I do to evaluate uh, you know, a certain position and what things I look for and characteristics, because I know that I have a much different approach than other people, right. And, and what they are looking for. I know this, first of all, I know it because the, uh, um, freaking, uh, I see the workouts, right. I'll see 
teams that work certain players out and I'll say, what are they doing that for? Like, for instance, Zach Wilson from BYU, that, that throw that he made, he's running left and then he threw it right. Who gives a shit? That might be the dumbest fucking thing. Who cares? And everybody just gobs at it. Why? That doesn't mean shit. That ball's intercepted, idiots. Fuck are you looking at? That's an intercepted pass. Get throw across your body. You know, good throw. It had some zip, sure. But they're in their underpants or in shorts and T-shirts, and there's only a receiver out there. You didn't have any defensive line who might have not, who who may have knocked that down or who may have gotten to him before he was able to deliver that pass, right? And just being on the field affects your throwing motion anyway with other players. And then the, the, the safeties and corners. Do we really think there's nobody covering these guys? The fuck are you thinking? So, you know, we'll go through some of that. And so I'll go through it as quickly as I can, because I want to get to these hits and busts. But so for quarterback, like Trevor Lawrence, my number one quarterback, my prospect rankings are up at fantasyguru.com. And what do I look for? Um, Number one, I think the most important attribute to have as a quarterback is brain, your brain. Number one, you have to, you have to be smart. Quarterback is outsmarting the competition over and over and over. When they think you're zagging, you zig. When they think you're zigging, you zag. That is a huge element. Okay. And just being smart, knowing how other players, scouting your opponent. If safeties like to drop into coverage constantly and protect a certain quadrant because they know you're effective at that, you need to fake them out. You need to draw them out with your eyes. You need to play cat and mouse. You need, you know, there's certain certain elements that you need to be able to do in order to offset really good defense. That's what makes elite level quarterbacks. So that's something you have to look for. That's interviews. That's wonderlick testing, um, and, and understand how quickly you illustrate. Because remember this: it's one thing to learn your playbook. Oh, he learned the playbook. He's got a good handle of it. You, you hear this all the time. Oh, well, you know, he's having trouble with the playbook, but it's early in camp. But okay, if he has trouble learning the playbook in training camp or at fucking OTAs, then he gets trouble in training camp. Remember, NFL season, that turnaround could be four to six days, and you are on your net. You have to perform against the next opponent. And everything in the NFL changes. You can't do the same thing against the uh, um, uh, in the Atlanta Falcons as you're going to do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everything's different. They're going to come at you differently. So you have to learn that set of plays, that game plan. You have to learn the tendencies of those players on defense. And you have to know all that quickly. So that's why it's important, intelligence from a quarterback. As far as physical attributes, I like height. Yes, Russell Wilson's great. Yes, Drew Brees was great. These are rare commodities. You don't understand that when you're smaller from the quarterback position, the windows you get to throw through are very, very, very small. When you're tall, they're very large. You create your own passing windows, right? And that just the basic concepts of your defensive line, putting your hands up and look at what Kyler Murray went through. One of the things that defenses did to Kyler Murray last year is they would only rush two players. They would drop two they would show like a four, three front, sometimes three, four. All right. And then show like a blitz and then they'd come back. They would only rush two guys and have the other guy sit back at the line of scrimmage or slightly behind number one to protect the, the, his running lanes and two to 
intercept to not to intercept to uh, interject in his passing windows, his throwing lanes to get the ball downfield. So, and, and it, it fucked Kyler Murray up. It, it curbed his production greatly. So that's a problem. Height. Other things I look for where they hold the football, the mechanics of being a quarterback are huge. You need to hold the football up. These guys that always oh, a gunslinger in college and you see it all the time. They hold the ball at their waist or they, they have it lower edge rushers come around the side and they're long. What do, when you're scouting an edge rusher or a defensive end or outside linebacker, you, you love to measure that wingspan. You like to see them coming around the side. Why? Cause they swat the football out of your hand. You got to hold the ball high and you have to protect the football. All right. Before you throw. Then it's throwing motion where the ball's coming from. Can, can you repeat your motion? This is something I've gotten from years of baseball scouting. Um, can you repeat your, your motion? That's the thing with like Mahomes. We give credit on bullshit. If throwing the ball while on the run, like the Zach, well, that, fuck that. That's the dumbest shit. You can't repeat that. Anybody, anybody reaches the NFL can make an elaborate throw or play. They can do it. And when they do it, they get all the credit for, oh, it's in the NFC championship game. What a throw. Oh, big deal. That doesn't matter. What you want is consistent performance. That's what matters. Ryan Leaf, that's why you see Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf, these guys who are unbelievable workout guys, could throw the ball over the mountain and into a tiny basket. They're great, and then they, they you, you break it down further, and they can't repeat that delivery. They can't repeat that throwing motion. They're, they're constantly throwing on the run. When you throw on the run, there's too many moving parts to consistently hit a moving target. Doesn't happen. So stature, how how they throw and deliver the football. Of course, arm power is good. Velocity of throws is something. People talk about how far they threw the ball. Who gives a shit? How fast do they get it there? That's what matters. What matters is how fast it goes, not where it goes. I can throw football probably 60, 70 yards at this point in my life. I used to be able to throw it much further. Had a major shoulder injury after college. But I, I, uh, let's say I could probably throw uh, NFL football, I could throw 60 yards. Right? It is wobbly and loose, and it's like a duck, and it, it will find its way. But that, that could never work. Never work. It doesn't matter. You got to get it, and you got to throw it through. The other thing, little elements of quarterback, I like guys from college that throw through the target. Not throwing it into the basket. Throw it through the target. Drive the ball. I love quarterbacks that drive the ball. Why? Because that factors at the NFL level. The NFL game moves too fast to do what Zach Wilson did. To loop the ball up. Blah, 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 blah. It, it's too fa- The game's too fast. The players are too fast. Everything's moving. You have too tight of coverage. You can't loop the ball around and expect it to fall in the waiting arms of your player. That doesn't work drive the ball through. So those are the things. And that, all of this starts with footwork, great proper footwork. And that's part of the mechanics. Standing tall in the pocket, be on the tips, the balls are your feet, being able to move and pivot, move laterally, move back, move up, step up through the pocket. I don't like when we see rushing quarterbacks, I don't like quarterbacks that move away from the pocket. You know, my old football coach back in the day taught me, it's like a shirt sleeve. Right. You ever wear a, sh- a shirt with a pocket? You're one of those uh, polos or something. You don't take your pen or let's say you put a pen in there or whatever, or your spec smokes, whatever the fuck you're doing. You don't pull, you don't stuff it out the bottom of the pocket. 
you always pull it out the open side. That's it's the same with quarterbacks. You step up and through the pocket. You don't bury yourself further back and run outside the pocket to you know the opposite side of the field. Russell Wilson, this is something he does. He's one of the only quarterbacks I've ever seen have any degree of success doing this. It's a Johnny Manziel thing, how one of the reasons I knew he was never going to make it. Russell Wilson does it, and he gets away with it. He's legitimately the only player I've ever seen in the NFL in 30 years of covering it that, uh, that does that. But he's done it. Okay, one in a million. Doesn't make the next guy. I will not accept it. Um, so that's quarterbacks. Running backs, I won't get to every position. I, I thought I'd spend two minutes on position. Here I am. This is what I love. With running backs, if you're ever watching film, you got to watch a running back. There's no, there are no metrics that are going to tell you what you need to know about a running back without watching the film. It's there is nothing elusive rating, 40 yard dash, 40 yard dash is worthless. I've said this for years. I've done the data on it. I've done the analysis on it. It is absolute. You can burn the paper that it's printed on. It doesn't matter. Right. Do you want everybody's fast? They're all going to be fast with four, 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 five. There's no difference. No difference. Okay elusive ring break tackle rating these are good right useful sure but it's not going to tell you whether or not a player is going to make it because all that shit in college is much different average defensive lineman in college is 260 pounds a defensive lineman and the pros it's almost 300 pounds and you know you talk about you know how much they lift and how fast they are it's a different world so what I look for for running backs is I want to see how I, I want the North South. I want hips and shoulders pointed forward all the way, all the time. And when they get hit, they get knocked off balance. How quickly can they adjust to get themselves centered, meaning North and South get hips and shoulders square. If hips and shoulders are square, that's where all the power comes from. That's how you, it doesn't matter really if you're Darren Sproles or, or um, I almost said Eddie George, Derek Henry, you know, it doesn't matter how big or small you're. It's about getting yourself going forward. That matters. Why does that matter? Because that's the direction you pick up yards. Dancing at the line of scrimmage and all that, it, it doesn't fucking matter. You got to get square. You got to you, you go forward. And that leads to my second point, falling forward. When you get tackled, when you're going down, do you get stood up straight and knocked back? Do you get stood up or do you fall forward? huge you don't realize how huge this is and in fantasy this is goal line stuff it's why a guy like Ladanian Tomlinson he was so undersized but was such a significant goal line runner because he's always north and south and he's falling forward he gets sure he got hit sure he got hit behind the line of scrimmage but he fell forward that yard and he was in the end zone give it a reach and he's over the pile other guys they they're big guys Trent Richardson is a huge fucking running back huge but he constantly was getting stood up straight and fall either the side or falling back. He never could fall forward. And those are losses of, you know, you get a yard and a half, about a yard and a half to two yards loss per carry when you're getting stood up and knocked back as opposed to falling forward. So that's huge production. That's a lot of loss production. You can't afford it at the NFL level. Um, obviously, pass catching ability. And willingness to block is another thing. And the reason it's so important to evaluate running backs with willingness to block is simply because that's what NFL coaches look for. If you're a rookie running back and you can't block, you're not going to be on the field. It doesn't. The rest doesn't matter. It's just bottom line. You're not on the field. doesn't matter where you're taken. None of it matters. 
NFL coaches, right, wrong, or indifferent. And I think it's sort of, I think it's overrated at the NFL level, but for our purposes, we can't underrate it simply because that's how they get the playing time without playing time. They don't have production. So they need to be willing pass blockers. They need to, when they see a blitzer coming up in the quarterback, they need to be able to shield that guy off. They need to block for him, need to be able to catch the ball, being useful in the passing game, finding the seam, finding holes underneath where the coverage isn't so that the quarterback can get you the football in space and you make, and you do damage with your legs. That's important. Those are other elements you got to look for at the running back position. When you're watching highlights and you watching film and you see a guy just bust through and he, he runs 99 yards for the score. Don't be impressed by that. Don't be, don't you dare be impressed by that running free running straight with nobody tackling you. No adjustments needed. That's not impressive. Stop being impressed by being impressed by the wrong thing. With quarterback, stop being impressed by the fact that he threw it far. Stop. These are overrated. Wide receivers. Wow. Wide receivers is uh, another one. Everybody looks at speed. I am partial to taller wide receivers. Not entirely. Because it's not about just being taller and it's about their wingspan here. Here. I think measurables at wide receiver are important. Yes. 40 yard dash cone drill shuttle run are important for wide receivers. Cause you do run straight much more as a receiver than you do at any other position. So it matters a little bit more, but also I want a long wingspan. I want those Kevin Durant arms that just reach to the sky. And I want big hands, the bigger the hands, that's a sneaky, under appreciated metric for physical ability receivers, the big hands, give me those 10 inch, 10 and a quarter inch hands. Just the meat lockdown hands. Those are the receivers that have a lot of success at the NFL level. Then it's catching ability. And when you're watching film, look at how, where they make the catch, where have they, are they making the catch? out in front of themselves are they catching it and running with it are are they going up jumping and leaping that's another thing high jump very important very important for uh wide receivers because when you got big hands 10 inch hands you got that yeah 36 38 40 wingspan or 80 you know, per arm you got long arms you got 80 inch wingspan when you've got that and you can jump you know 38 4 to 42 inches in the air you get off the ground. There is not another human being that can stop you. That way, the quarterback could put the ball up and only you can get it. You're the only person on the field that can go up and get it. That's the Calvin Johnson. He lived on that. When you're that big, that strong, you just physically overpower people. I like that at the wide receiver. But how they catch the ball, do they, do they need the, their body or their arms to catch the ball? Very important. A.J. Brown, this is why he was the number one receiver on my board two years ago. Big hands, and he, he uses only his hands to catch football. When you need your body, when you need your arms, when you need something, basically, it's think of it in terms of this. It's like being a basketball player, and you need to use the backboard. How, how well are you going to shoot constantly banking the ball? You're not going to shoot very well. There's a reason you go for the switch every time. That's the difference. You can't bank everything because at the NFL level, you're getting hit and you're getting hit and con you're going to have contact while catching the ball. And if you're doing this, 
while the ball, you need the ball to hit your chest and then your hands get it. No, you're getting hit as the ball's hitting you and the ball squirts out, pops up, whatever. It's the players, the Jerry Rices, the, the Tim Browns, the AJ Browns, the Calvin Johnson, Antonio Brown, these guys that, that just plop, when the ball comes up, plop, they use their hands and they go up and get it above their head, to the left, to the right. Watch a workout where they're using the jug machine and the assistant coach is throwing the footballs through there and watch where they catch the ball. Do they catch the ball right in front of them? If they catch the ball, even if they're using their hands, if they catch it at their chest or their head right while they're in front, that's a bad drill. A good coach always catch the ball on the side, always on the side. Because for one, you're not going to get the ball at your chest. Quarterback, for one, it's actually – I played quarterback – you want you need to throw the ball out in front of the receiver. You, perfect quarterback wide receiver combo is a guy who could deliver the football to where that receiver is going on the run, so he doesn't have to slow down, break stride, any of that stuff. That's ideal, and especially if you're undersized, you need that. And thus, the ball's not going to be at your chest. If the ball's at your chest, there's a stop, and then you have to get going again. No, 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 just catch him. Catch, go, catch, go, catch on the run, catch, go, pick up the first down. You could throw short of the line of scrimmage, knowing that you're going to pick up a yard or two minimum after, you know, you could throw it right in front of the sticks. This stuff is important and only works with hands catchers. The most popular um, take that I've ever had on this is Cordero Patterson back in the day. He had everything. Cordero Patterson was amazing when it comes to, downfield running, um, leaping ability, physical attributes, you know, absolutely everything in the world, right? Everything in the world, but you can't catch with your hands. You need your body to catch because it never will work out for you no matter what you do. All right. So there you go. Um, and then ability to high point the football. I'm a big believer in that it works in the red zone. It works in key situations, Think Dwight Clark, the catch for my older football fans out there. Um, you know, those type of plays where you just go up and you just grab the football, be able to get it at its highest point. So it's only you. And then you come down with it. If you have those vice grip hands, you come down, your body's getting hit, but the ball stays where it is, especially with the modern day catch rule where the ball can't loosen or move or adjust anything. When your body's hit, you got to just keep it locked. That's why hand size and hand strength is so important. Tight ends, be Kyle Pitts. There's my evaluation. No, um, rookies don't work at tight end. Tight end is one of the harder ones to evaluate because it's so dependent on your uh, on your on the offense that you're in. Your skill sets meeting the offense. A lot of offenses, if you have a weak offensive line, they're going to want their tight end to stay in and block because that's that's proper valuation that's proper structure if you have trouble with your your offensive line it's why i believe in building from the offensive line out if you have trouble there you're going to need your running backs to block more and help out and you're going to need your tight ends to help out more if that's the case you take those guys out of the offense quite a bit so that that's these are different skill sets as far as a fantasy producer, you want a guy that could play move tight end. I mean, he's 6'5", big leaper, big hands, strong. You know, and, and basically, you need a guy that can run a 4'6", 4'6", 5'40", type while having um, 
big hands and, and the long reach, what you're, you're looking for there often is you'll put – mostly there's going to be a linebacker. Joe Schobert's one of the best linebacker, coverage linebackers of tight ends in the NFL. When you get a guy like Schobert over the top and he's guarding that zone, what you are looking for from a quarterback perspective is getting a – you need a guy that could beat that linebacker off the ball right? You could throw it up above and then he could take a hit from the safety that's coming over. So you need that kind of guy that could catch in traffic. That's what you're looking for because that's, that's the modern day. That's the biggest route that they run. Some of these spread offenses and pistol or uh, air raid and pistol offenses that they run. There's this, um, this S hook uh, or uh, it used to be a fish hook or button hook. It, it's a little, I call it an S. I don't know why I call it that because they come off the line of scrimmage. You're lined up, you usually line up on the line of scrimmage. Then you break out to the slot after, you know, a little uh, adjustment there. And you see who's in coverage. You read, all right, am I in man or zone? And all you are, you just kind of squirt out into the uh, the underneath part, right behind the defensive line just to be a check down receiver for the offense. That's what a lot of spread offense is. It's a staple in those types of deals. And you need to be able to get off the line real fast and catch the ball as you're getting hit. That's what I look for in a tight end. You got to be able to block because in the NFL, you can't just be a one dimensional guy. That's why Evan Ingram has a tough time and the giants may be looking for another tight end. He's a great route runner. He's a, he's essentially just a, wide receiver playing tight end, but that's not, you, you can't do that. You got to be able to block too. If you're not, you're going to be one dimensional and you're never going to be on the field enough to produce. Um, all right. So I've gotten into a lot of the skill positions, offensive line, you know, you're, that's where your body matters and your size, how long your arms are, your stance, footwork Ta- with offensive tackles, your, your feet. I want the power lifters there. I want the guys who could lift, 800 pounds on a squat like that those are the guys that you want because they got to get stand firm got to have a nice wide base and put their hands out so that you're never you can't see this because it's a fucking podcast but i'm i'm doing it right now put your hands on the guy and so that they never get into your body because defensive linemen what they're taught and what we look for on the defensive line and edge rushers is somebody who his speed that could sneak in get underneath that reach of the offensive tackles get underneath that reach. And once you're there, you could either bowl them over. Cause again, if they don't have good foot tech uh, footwork and a good stance, you fall over the closer your feet are together. Um, no matter how big you are, especially the bigger you are, the heavier you are, the more likely you are to tip over. If you have a nice wide base, it's a center of gravity and you could be pushed and moved and you're not going to tip over and bull rushed. And then obviously being able to, you know, defensive edge rushers getting under those arms, got to have good arm placement, got to put it between the shoulder pads, not the outsides. You see this all the time in big programs, some good offensive line that constantly, they're basically taking people by the shoulders and throwing them down. That's a penalty. You can't block outside the the shoulder pads, right? You can't pull the arms that's holding. And, And as a rookie offensive lineman, you'll get called for that all of the time. All right. So, I mean, that's what I look for, for guards. I, I want guys, I want power guys that could push the truck or pull the truck, you know, um, cause that's where your run blockers are going. Now, if you run a zone scheme, you can get by. If you could 
fool people, which is the old Denver Broncos, Alex Gibbs philosophy, where you get undersized guards in there. You know, the guys that are six foot, you know, maybe these days they're probably still over 300, let's say 285, 290. And you think, oh, these are defense linemen, the tackles uh, and nose tackle can think they're just going to bull them around. Well, they move parallel to the line of scrimmage, completely knock those, those defensive ends out. The gap, the tackle comes in, but it's too slow to autocorrect. And the, the line offensive line and the running back are moving parallel to the line of scrimmage before like squirting out in a counter or trap or something like that. These outside or inside zone runs. I like that. I, if I was building a team, I would do that. I'd go undersized guards. But if I'm going to go standard power blocking scheme, then I want raw power on my interior linemen. I talked about defense alignment. Um, that's about it. I mean, corners uh, fast. I want smart corner. My cornerback should be my second corners and safeties need to be the second smartest people on my football team. They need to identify routes because it's all guessing it, all it is. You can't, it's impossible to cover when the offense knows exactly what they're doing, when they're doing it, how they're doing it and where they're doing it. It's impossible to stop it unless you just guess it. It's like if you've ever played Tecmo Bowl or Super Tecmo Bowl and you know, the remember original Tecmo Bowl, you had four plays. And if you ran in the defense, got to choose one of your plays. If the defense chose your play, you were stopped and it was a loss. If you chose a play, the defense chose a different one you're going to get a big gain out of it. That was the basic elements of that old Nintendo game. And that's what it is. And that's a lot of what being a corner is. So you need to jump right. You need crazy athletic ability, being fast. Uh, I like taller corners that can be a little more physical. Think Richard Sherman, you know, still quick enough to keep up with those, you know, shifty slot receivers, but also big enough that you don't get bowled over by a DK Metcalf or something like that. So uh, there you go. All right. I've talked way more about this. This is the passion. This is what I like. This is what I do. Um, let's get into it. Who drafts what in the National Football League? I did this study over the last four months over on fantasyguru.com and went back through the last six years of data. And who is in charge of all these teams? Who is calling the shots and what they like to draft? I'll go through it real quick. I'll start in NFC North. Why not? Um, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, it's a guy named Brian Guttenkunst. Uh, Guttenkunst, I, I really mispronounce his name all the time, but um, with a terrible 14.3% hit rate, uh, it's the worst in the National Football League. It's that bad. And you say, well, yeah, what they – you know, when you draft, and Guttenkust has only had three years. Before that, we had Ted Thompson for a number of years. Ted Thompson built all those championship teams in Green Bay and built the Aaron Rodgers teams and all that. So um, this guy, you know, 28 picks in those three years too. So he's had a lot of picks and not very good at any of them. Five linebackers haven't really, he's had good production from some of these linebackers, but none of them are, seem to stick around three corners. He loves corners and safeties as we've noticed as well, but that is a pathetic hit rate 
Ryan Pace, the Chicago Bears, likely fired. He's been there for six years. He's had six drafts in Chicago. He's had 39 picks in six years. Again, three years for a Packers guy, 28 picks. Pace is double that and only has 39 picks. Um, Ryan Pace's hit, hit rate is 33.3%. He's hit on a third of all his draft picks. Um, again, slightly over league average somehow why and how and all that is is um again i don't think it's very good but a lot of guys aren't losing their jobs the way ryan pace is about to he fucked up trubisky that was the whole thing he could add mahomes or watson now again watson who knew what was going to happen there but you know still some decent i mean a guy like darnell mooney Looked very good uh, at, at points this season. David Montgomery's done very well. Roquan Smith and James Daniels and Anthony Miller were several wins for uh, Eddie Jackson, who he took in 2017 in the fourth round, turned into an all-pro. Tariq Cohen turned into a starter. I mean, these are some good drafts by Ryan Pace, but he'll forever be lumped in with that Trubisky deal and probably rightfully so. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, Rick Spielman's in charge will be this year as well. Six years, 64 picks. He's had a lot of picks, but only 20.3% hit rate for um, Rick Spielman. You know, he's eight. He can't get offensive line settled. And one of the things I'll give Spielman some credit I, I won't punish him too much. He's drafted eight tackles and seven guards, 15 of those 64 picks offensive linemen over the last six years. And he still can't get it right now. They, but they made a giant shift two years ago and that they moved from power to zone. So the guys that were drafted back in 2015, think like TJ Clemmings and, uh, Willie Beavers, <laughs> uh, who was a fourth-round pick that never worked out for them, they weren't going to fit this this new scheme of theirs, right? So that's a, a bit of this problem here. And, and even like Eflin, Pat Eflin, who was their center, they had to go get uh, Garrett Bradbury, who was a very, very good zone blocker. Um, here from you know a North Carolina State guy that trade draft about two years film like that was last year but that was two years ago a Spielman you'll give him a lot of credit for Justin Jefferson and rightfully so but remember in those six years he's drafted nine wide receivers let me name them for you KJ Osborne you ever you remember him anything Dylan Mitchell Ola BC Johnson oh he kind of played um, good old Ola BC. He drafted Rodney Adams, Stacy Coley, Moritz Boehringer. Remember, he played for the, he was on the fucking Chiefs for a couple of years. Uh, Laquan Treadwell, first round bust. I mean, so that's all Rick Spielman. Maybe we give him credit for Justin Jefferson, but you start wondering when you have a 20%, when one out of every five of your draft picks works out, you have to, somebody has to call you out and say, are you good at this or did you just get lucky? One of five feels lucky to me. Now he drafted Stefan Diggs in the fifth round in 2015. That was a good pick. So he's got two hits of those nine running backs or wide receivers. Not bad. Uh, in Detroit, Brad Holmes comes over. It's his first draft. He's going to be Detroit renovated their uh, entire 
front office, Lance Newmark is the player personnel director, Rob Lohman, director of college scouting for the Detroit Lions. But Brad Holmes will be his first draft, was director of college scouting for the Rams. Rams had some, you know, less need, has had some hits and misses there as well. But he comes over, so he's going to work as a collective. Rob Lohman's going to be very much, he's the director of college scouting now, somebody that Holmes believes in. Bob Quinn ran the Lions draft over the last five years, had 43 picks and a 27.9% hit rate. Thus, he's out of work. Move on to the NFC South here. Um, Terry Fontenot be his first draft as a member of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Fontenot replaces a guy, Thomas Demetrio, who, again, is one of those Bill Belichick disciples. Everybody loves him. He had six drafts with the Atlanta Falcons, took them to a Super Bowl, built a Super Bowl team, had 30, 38 picks over those six years, but only a 28.9% hit rate on those. And Dmitriov could not figure out his corners. Just that ultimately was what doomed him. You know, not being able to get uh, any uh, of those eight corners, What? no, nine. Eight corners, yeah. He drafted eight corners in the last six years. Not getting any of those to pop will ultimately be his thing. I mean, A.J. Terrell, first-round pick out of Clemson. Will he develop? I think he could. But you look at other guys like Isaiah Oliver, who was a second-round pick that became one of the worst corners in the league for a number of years. Demonte Kazee as well. Keanu Neal's a safety. Jalen Collins, who I actually – that surprised me how good Jalen Collins was at LSU and that they couldn't get him to go in Atlanta. Uh, that was stunning. Cause I had a high grade on Jalen Collins, their second round pick in 2015, but Dimitri Ofsov, font knows in font was the former director of pro scouting pro scouting, not college for the new Orleans saints. Now the reason that's interesting, new Orleans saints is a general manager named Mickey Loomis. And if you notice, Ryan Pace and Fontenot and all these guys, even uh, Campbell up in Detroit, who's the new head coach, everybody wants to get in on what the Saints are doing because the Saints have been so great, right? And I'll tell you what, Mickey Loomis has a 50% hit rate over the last six years. Is That's pretty fucking great. It's the highest hit rate in the National Football League. And that's why Terry Fontenot in Atlanta is pretty interesting. But Loomis, six years, 37 picks for him. Um, and just hits – they trade away a lot of draft picks. Because 30, notice 37 picks is under 46 years, seven picks, 42 should be the standard. And if you're drafting under that, it's okay to give away picks as long as you make them count. And that's why – New Orleans keeps losing quality players, but keeps hitting on them. Look at this past year. Uh, Cesar Ruiz starter, Zach Bond starter, Eric McCoy the year before that starter, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson starter. And these are real quality players. Marcus Davenport never really hasn't lived up to it, but been good. Traquan Smith, eh, usable, but not great. Boston Scott, they took in the sixth round. He made a name for himself in Philadelphia, didn't even make it on the Saints team. But you look at Ryan Ramchick and Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, who they tendered, Alvin Kamara, third-round pick, Alex Anzalone, Trey Hendrickson just got a big uh, free agent deal in the 27 draft class. 
Sheldon Rankins, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas and Vaughn Bell, two great players. Vaughn Bell now at Cincinnati, second round picks in 2016. Andrus Pete in 2015. They built this offense around the offense line. That's what they did. Andrus Pete, Ryan Ramchick, uh, Ruiz, McCoy. These are all guys they built through the draft. They did not miss on that offense alignment. It's kept Drew Brees upright over the last decade. Um, Carolina, Scott Fitterer is in charge of the Carolina Panthers. Now he's the new general manager. But Jeff Morrow, player personnel director, Mark Sadowski, director of college scouting. These are two, they believe, Matt Rule specifically, the head coach, really believes in Matt Allen. And that's, he's going to have a lot of say-so in there so fitter will be the man ultimately selecting but matt allen even jeff morrow will have plenty of say carolina former uh by the way fitters from the seahawks and everybody loves john snyder wait till i get to john snyder you, you guys aren't going to believe your freaking minds on that one but marty herney was three years with carolina and did nothing with it 27.2 percent hit rate on his uh 22 picks pretty pathetic tampa bay super bowl champion how were they built well, they got Tom Brady. They got Brady and Gronkowski to come over, Antonio Brown to take a deal, the Dominican Sue to come over. Jason Lick, though, give him some credit. This is a guy in Tampa Bay that built a nucleus that that drew in Tom Brady. Now we found out the Buccaneers were not Brady's first choice, right? We found that news out that he actually wanted to go to New Orleans originally uh, and couldn't, so we decided on Tampa Bay because of this, the the uh, uh, team around him and Jason Lick 39.5% hit rate over the last six years, 43 picks. So he's right at the number. He he's right in line with that seven picks a year. And he's had plenty of hits 39.5%. You look at, you know, even this, this year, Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield first two picks were huge. Tyler Johnson made big plays for the Super Bowl team. And then Sean Murphy bunting Devin white, uh, Jamal Dean play, you know, play a role here uh, in, in that secondary Vita VA. I mean, he's a run stopper and really made this defense line into an amazing one, allowing him and Sue in the middle just to run free, clog up that middle and, uh, and let the edge rushers like Shaq Griffin get to the quarterback. But you drafted Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart or MJ Stewart's been terrible. Carlton Davis was terrible, became a better corner this year, right? And so, I mean, Chris Godwin was a third-round pick. Um, uh, Noah Spence, Vernon Hargreaves were terrible back in 2016. So, you know, Jameis Winston didn't work out. That was his uh, pick in 2015, first one. But Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Quan Alexander, those are the next three picks in 2015. Jason Licht has had some – real good drafts and not nearly um it's not nearly as free agent based as we think when we think of the super bowl champion tampa bay buccaneers uh other divisions let's uh talk about the nfc east let's finish up the nfc real quick here i talked about this on a serious xm show dallas everybody knows the dallas cowboys are run by jerry jones his son stephen jones is technically in charge of the drafts even though we know it's it's all about Jerry. Not as bad as you would think. You look at some horrendous draft picks by the Dallas Cowboys and you'd be 100% right. However, they are uh, slightly above the norm. 34% hit rate over the last six years. 50 picks. 
So Jerry loves trading. Jerry loves Jerry. Jerry loves making noise. Jerry loves making or trying to make an impact. He loves offensive players. He's drafted three quarterbacks, five running backs, five receivers, and three tight ends over the last six years. It's a lot, right? A lot to lump into that offense. And, you know, CeeDee Lamb looks like the real deal for sure. Um, but then you look at guys like uh, Michael Gallup looks like the real deal, but Cedric Wilson Jr. and Ryan Switzer, who's now part of the other uh, Steelers organization, eh, some some duds in there as well. They really made their draft in 2016, or their, their, this run with Dak Prescott get, being their fourth-round pick. Be, getting a franchise quarterback in the fourth round is just amazing. And that's the same draft that they – took Zeke Elliott and Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith would have been first round pick, except he was hurt in college. So he didn't start for them back until 2017. All right. And I'm speaking of 2017 shit. Taco Charlton. Yikes. Yikes. So some hits and misses, but pretty standard fare for Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia. All my Eagles fans love to yell about Howie Roseman, but he's got a 33.3% hit rate, 36 picks. He's hit on 12 of them. All right. Um, it's not bad. I, I will say this, and I, I've brought this up many times that when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles want, when you're a fan of a team and you want your team to do something, you have to remember that you also want them to do what they're good at. And I'm just going to name some names off with Howie Rose. You guys want a wide receiver, right? Okay, fine. I'm going to, you tell me Jalen Rieger, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Mac Hollins, Shelton Gibson, right? Uh, Nelson Aguilar did all right in 2017. I had a good year with the Raiders last year. Now he's a member of the Patriots. You sure you want, and before that, by the way, it's not a my, but Jordan Matthews. Um, do you really, Josh Huff, you really want Howie Roseman selecting your wide receivers? This is just something he's not good at. And this is something he's just not really good at this skill. Why don't you, why don't you not draft that position or take somebody else's advice? Uh, Washington has Martin Mayhew. He's spent the last four years in San Francisco with John Lynch. Um, but he's a lifetimer, played in Washington. He was their uh, personnel director for a number of years. Bruce Allen was the GM for the last three years, had 28 picks, 28%, 28.5% hit rate. That's why he's out of a job. New York Giants, Dave Gettleman, three years uh, in New York. He, remember, he ran New, or Carolina, and he, taught, he took them to that 2015 Super Bowl, Dave Gettleman. He's got a 38.4 hit rate with the Giants. Three years, 26 picks. People uh, love to hate on Gettleman. And maybe it's rightfully so. He's not an analytical guy. They hated, you know, why do you take Saquon Barkley? Uh, um, why was Saquon Barkley hit? Well, he's, he's drafted one running back in those three years. All right, he hasn't had to because he's freaking Saquon Barkley. But, you know, you guys all busted on him in that 2018 draft for uh, – uh, I don't, I don't know what you want him to take. I guess you want him to take him, what, Sam Darnold? Oh, yeah, that's right. You want him to take Sam Darnold. Fucking idiots. You guys are idiots. Fucking idiots. No, should have never taken Darnold. Darnold's garbage. I said that from the get-go. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, 26 picks and, and 38% hit rate on that. Dexter Lawrence, look at that defensive line. Look at pretty freaking good. And DeAndre Baker shit the bed because got himself in offseason trouble and, and all that. So, but still found guys like Corey Ballantin and Darius Slayton um, later on in, in, in the later rounds that are making somewhat of an impact. Shane Lemieux, good run blocker on the offensive line. There was a fifth round pick last year. Matt Pert, Andrew Thomas, three offensive linemen that I, I'll say Will Hernandez has not panned out. I thought he was going to be so much better. I missed on him too, was their second round pick. I had a first round grade on Hernandez back in 2018. So take that for what it's worth. Um, we'll move on. NFC West. Here you go. Seattle Seahawks. John Snyder has won like 15 executive of the year awards. Dude is just absolutely decorated. 57 draft picks for John Snyder over the last six years. What do you think his hit rate is? Remember, I said NFL average is about 31 point, what is it, 31.6%? What do you think John Snyder's is? It's got to be up there with uh, Mickey Loomis, right? Maybe high 40s? Nope, 29.8. 29.8. Now, six years, I only went back to 2015. At 2015, he had a couple of really good picks in the early year. Frank Clark and Tyler Lockett, very, very good picks. The rest of it, nothing. Before that, Schneider, he took over, I believe, in 2010. And right away, his first couple picks, I think uh, Max Unger was the year before that, but he had Russell O'Connor, Earl Thomas, Golden Tate, Cam Chancellor, and the same draft. That's killer. That's a good draft. Next one, he winds up with uh, K.J. Wright, Richard Sherman, Byron Maxwell, Malcolm Smith. It's some baller. Malcolm's a seventh-round pick. Sherman's a fifth-round pick. K.J. Wright's a fourth-round pick, right? And then comes 2012 draft when he puts the finishing touches on the Super Bowl run. Bruce Irvin, first round. Bobby Wagner, second round. Russell Wilson, third round. Robert Turbin in the fourth. I mean – <laughs> that's your Super Bowl team. And ever since, it's been absolute trash. He starts getting these awards and missing on everything. His last few years, Christian Michael, Jordan Hill, Chris Harper, Paul Richardson, Justin Brist, Britt, Cassius Marsh, Frank Clark, good. Tyler Lockett, like I said, pretty good. Ayafetti, now with the Bears. Jerron Reed, CJ Procise, Nick Vanette, Malik McDowell, Ethan Postis. Shaquille Griffin, okay, pretty good for one year. Two years, maybe. Rashad Penny, Rashawn Green, Will Disley, Shaq Griffin, Trey Flowers, blah. LJ Collier, Marquise Blair, these are terrible picks. Then he gets DK Metcalf. That's his best pick he's ever made, or one of his better picks. 2019, second round. I mean, Daryl Taylor, Daryl Taylor was the second round pick of Seattle Seahawks in 2020, and he didn't make the team. Didn't make the team. That's off. Jordan Brooks, linebacker, supposed to be the heir apparent to uh, Bobby Wagner. Eh. Remains to be seen. Not so great. John Lynch, the genius in San Francisco, 31.2% hit rate. So right at league average, four years, 32 picks for John Lynch. Don't ever forget the fact that John Lynch is the guy that 
made a great move by trading away the second overall pick in 2017, letting the Bears give up multiple first-round picks to him. So he's multiple first-round picks. And then in doing so, the Bears took Mitch Trubisky, but Solomon Thomas was their guy. Solomon Thomas was the pick for the San Francisco 49ers. All right? Um, Mind you, Jamal Adams – right? Went in that draft. Christian McCaffrey went in that draft. Then you forget Mahomes went in that draft. Watson went in that draft. The 49ers could have traded, gave up Trubisky and still gotten their quarterback in Mahomes and Watson, but nobody ever dings Lynch on it. Nobody ever likes to do it. Jonathan Allen was in that draft that they could have had as far as defensive linemen. I mean, are you really a good evaluator of talent? If you missed that far, TJ Watt? I'm not impressed. John Lynch, not impressed. Les Snead in LA, six years, 54 picks, so a lot of picks. And Les Snead, only 33.3% hit rate. Another guy who had a nice little run in 2015, 2016, when Jeff Fisher was the coach, by the way. And then McVeigh comes over to take all the credit. But uh, uh, real mixed bag, another. He drafted Jared Goff. Now, everyone hates Jared Goff, and fine, but that's his biggest hit. Golf or Wentz was the question. Everybody thought that he took the wrong guy. And did it matter? Who would you rather have right now going forward? Right? That's pretty damn close. But um, less than 33.3% hit rate right there. Uh, all right, folks. Well, we are, where are we at? About an hour right now. Um, that wraps up the NFC. I think we're in a good spot right here. I will, uh, if you guys like, I want to hear from you at Sirius X. Uh, it's, I almost did my Sirius XM at Jeff underscore mans. What the hell am I talking about? At Jeff underscore mans, the Jeff fans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. I want to know, do you guys dig in this? Are you like it? Does this translate well over the airwaves? as much as it does probably in print. Remember, we got all this information posted for you at fantasyguru.com. It's, you will not find it anywhere. It doesn't exist. I've done all the searches. The reason I compiled this, and re- it took me four months to do it, is because it doesn't exist in the world. The only place that has done this research is us at fantasyguru.com. So I want to know, are you guys digging it? If so, next episode, I can get into the AFC. I'm going to have some other NFL draft guests join me on the show. Some of our team from Fantasy Guru, Russell Clay, Tyler Beaker, Armando Marsal, will be doing some draft roundtables. We'll be talking about that uh, and really diving into that. We'll also get to some baseball stuff. I know it's midseason baseball. you got DFS questions for me. You want to talk about your seasonal leagues, your pickups, your drops as well. A lot of you see a great feedback. I appreciate you guys um, talking about the, uh, and giving positive feedback on uh, some of those tougher subjects that, uh, you know, I, I brought up the, uh, um, you know, cancer one and talk about that and talk about the one with my son, father and son one as well. The elite fantasy, you know, everything that's going on, the racism, episode as well you guys some great feedback and appreciate that very much remember we we don't have a rating system here at serious exam we do we know how many listeners and we could tell what you guys like and don't like this one we need your feedback I, i'm really dying to know at jeff underscore mans let me know about it all right so uh i, I want to hear from you 
on all of that stuff. Um, and any other topics you want me to hit on? I, I got a, a lot of them. You know, we're deep into the sports season right now, and I definitely want to keep going on the NFL draft stuff, but let me know. Otherwise, we could talk. I'll happily talk players. Do you want me just breaking down Trevor Lawrence, and you want me breaking down Javante Williams and Jamar Chase and Rashawn Slater and Penny Sewell and Kyle Pitts, these top guys, you, you know, we'll be doing that. I'm definitely going to give you my favorite early round picks my favorite late round uh players as well remember justin jefferson last year was uh one of the players we profiled on this very podcast with armando marsal and a pretty good rookie year from what i hear so take that for what it's worth guys appreciate you being so great with the podcast again feedback is always important we'll call it a show right there we'll continue to talk nfl draft in the days and weeks ahead and any other topics you guys have follow me at jeff underscore mans on twitter uh, d jeff mans on facebook instagram snapchat tiktok daily fantasy cash game breakdowns for you elitefantasy.com all my rankings all the nfl stuff fantasyguru.com is the place to get it all right that will wrap up episode number 60 thanks to each and every one of you for making it happen remember you may disagree with something or everything that you heard during today's show and it's perfectly all right why because it was one man's opinion that's it we'll see you next time everybody deuces